It's the middle of December, and I'm looking back at how I spent my time in 2019. Welcome to the Paul Miners Podcast, the show that will help you to optimize your time, income, and lifestyle fast. Get more done with actionable, easy-to-follow advice and learn how to live life on your terms. And now, introducing your host, Paul Miners. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Paul Miners Podcast, episode number 158. As always, it is a pleasure to have you listening. I really do appreciate your time and your attention because I know how valuable your time is, so thank you for tuning in. Now, today I am uh, sharing a detailed summary of how I spent my time in 2019. It is the middle of December, and so I thought I'm going to, well, I'm actually preparing to write my goals for 2020. And as part of that process, I like to kind of look back and look at what did I achieve this year and how did I spend my time? What are some maybe some changes I'd like to make? And this is one of the reasons why I love time tracking so much. It's because of the power that you get when you have more awareness of where your time goes. And so I thought, yeah, rather than just doing my annual goal planning and, and looking back at my time for the year, I thought I'd share this uh, this with you. Uh, and, pl- and just a bit of a note before I start, this analysis kind of covers the period from uh, the 1st of January this year to December the 9th, which is when I prepared for this episode uh, and wrote the blog post. So although the year isn't completely over, it does give me a pretty good idea of how I've spent my time this year. And if you want to get access to the show notes for this episode, you can find those at paulminers.com slash 158. Uh, I've got a few links to tools and things that I've mentioned, as well as um, some pictures and things as well. I've taken quite a few different screenshots from my time tracking app that will break things down. It's very visual. So head on over to the show notes if you want to get a bit more detail on what I'm talking about here today. So let me start by talking a little bit about how I track my time. Uh, as longtime listeners of the podcast or readers of my blog will know, I am a big proponent of time blocking. Uh, by planning out when, when I'm going to work on specific tasks and creating blocks on my calendar for these tasks, it creates a really nice log over time. And so at the end of the week, I can actually go back and look at, the, at these blocks on my calendar to see how I spend my time. So time blocking is a form of time tracking that I do. Um, but that's not really what I've looked at in, in that much detail for the purpose of this exercise, for this time tracking exercise. For what I'm talking about today, I'm referring to uh, all of the data that I've collected in Timing this year. Timing is a time tracking app for the Mac that I've been using for a couple of years now. And it's great because it just kind of sits in the background and watches the apps, the websites and files and, and things that you're using and categorizes them into projects. Um, so it's a great way to just kind of automatically capture a lot of information and I do review it at the end of the day as well I look at how I've spent my time and you can if you don't want to say you know this app let's say Asana was spent planning because I do consulting on Asana as well I could actually allocate a block of time say an hour to client work so it gives you it's kind of a nice blend I'd say between automatic time tracking and manual time tracking as well and so all the analysis that I'm showing today has been collected through looking at the numbers in timing so let me start with a bit of a summary of the year. And again, I do have a really nice uh, kind of screenshot uh, in, in my blog post to um, kind of illustrate what I'm going to talk about. But overall, um, my productivity score, which is the metric that calculates kind of really just how productive I'm being, it was 84% for the year. Uh, and, and the way this is calculated is you tell timing what types of work or how productive different types of work are. So for example, I've set client work. Client work is one of my projects or categories. That's a very productive thing for me. If I'm working on client work, that's a very productive thing to do. Whereas watching Netflix or playing games is very unproductive. 
And so my overall score, 84%, is is good, um, although it doesn't really tell me that much, uh, so I don't really pay a lot of attention to this. Um, and it's all subjective as well, like, you know, saying how productive something is. I mean, really, it comes down to if you're achieving your goals and getting to where you want to be. So that score alone doesn't tell me that much. It's not something I pay a huge amount of attention to. But there's some interesting information around my most active days. So Mondays and Fridays tend to be the shorter days of the week for me. And this doesn't surprise me because when I plan my time, I don't usually have much client work on a Monday as that's still a Sunday in the United States where most of my clients are. And I also plan to finish a little bit earlier on Fridays as well, so hence the shorter days. So Monday and Friday have been found to be a bit shorter than normal. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, kind of fairly normal days. Um, My most productive days, it's good to see that my productivity is very consistent throughout the week. It kind of hovers around 80 to 85 um, for each day, each weekday, rather than dropping off, which I think might be typical for some people. It's really nice and consistent, which is good. And then my most active time of day is interesting to see that I am more active in the morning. Um, This does make sense as well, thinking about it, due to when most of my client calls take place. Uh, Often the afternoons are spent on less productive work and admin, and and most of my client work is in the morning. So that's when I'm more active. And again, when I'm planning my time, I like to work on kind of the high energy tasks in the morning when I find I'm just more focused and alert as well. And just a quick note here, you won't be seeing this as a podcast listener, but if you do look at the um, screenshots that I've shared, you might see that it appears that I'm working in the middle of the night. It shows me working at 12, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. That's not actually the case. I don't work in the middle of the night, uh, but because when I did some travel earlier this year to the United States, I think with the time zone changes, it looks like uh, on New Zealand time, I was working in the middle of the night, so it's kind of aggregating aggregating the data for the year. So if you do look at the screenshot and you're wondering, when does Paul sleep? I do sleep, it's just, uh, and I'm not actually working in the middle of the night. So next I looked at the hours I worked per month, and again, uh, have a look at the screenshots. Um, on average, you'll see my hours were, if you look at the table, my hours were relatively consistent, apart from April and May, when I was traveling the US and Canada. Uh, we were away for about six weeks over those, that two-month period. Uh, Likewise, in September, I had about two weeks off, so a couple of months that were lower than normal, and December obviously isn't finished as well. But overall, I worked an average of 153 hours per month, which is about 35.7 hours per week. And this is great because um, my goal at the start of the year was to get my hours down to about 35 hours per week on average. So 35.7 actual, really close to my target, which is great. My goal for next year my takeaway is that I want to maintain that or improve it if I can. And work-life balance is interesting. Work-life balance is something a lot of people kind of strive to achieve. And I know a lot of people listening have full-time jobs and don't have as much control over their hours, but you do always have options, whether it's, you know, going part-time or starting a side business, you can have more balance if you choose to make it a priority. Um, A perfect example is Angelo, one of the members of my private Slack community. Um, This year, he reduced his hours after taking his work remote and traveling the US with his family uh, in his RV. And it's been great following his journey. And so I made the goal at the start of the year, like I said, to reduce my hours. And this might mean I have to sacrifice growth. Uh, As a matter of fact, sales actually still grew this year, despite uh, working a little bit less. Um, I think because I was working smarter and the time I was working, I was working really efficiently. Um, and, and I'm, but I, I am happy to, you know, to sacrifice some growth if I need to, because it means I have that balance. It means I can end my day at three or four o'clock and go to CrossFit class or spend time with my family. Um, so really, I'm, I'm really happy to report that, yeah, my working hours have been, uh, have come down a little bit this year, because that's one of the reasons primarily I wanted to work for myself is to have that freedom and an and option. 
So, getting into projects that I've actually worked on, the nitty-gritty, what have I actually spent time on? Uh, the, I, I categorize my time into a few different areas. There's things like client work, there's sales, content, uh, planning, email, products, communication, website work, email marketing, admin and, and analysis, uh, speaking and sponsorship. So there's a few different ways that I categorize how I spend my time. But my top five projects or that's what timing calls them projects. I think of them more as categories. My top five were, number one was, actually, no, let's start. I'm going to do this in reverse order. Um, no, 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 no. Actually, no, I will do it in number one, two, three, because actually it makes sense to start with number one. So number one was client work. I spent 495 hours this year so far on client work. That's about 28% of my time. Um, it took up the most time because because that's kind of where most of my income comes from. And so it makes sense. But actually, when I looked at my revenue, about 58% of my income comes from from client work. So it's interesting because you might look at that and think, you know, okay, 58% of your income comes from client work, but you're only spending 30% of your time. So that's really good. But actually, there are all the other things that support client work that are factored in into other categories. So, um, Things like sales, actually, which was number two. That was the second most, imp- uh, second biggest category. So sales, I spent 256 hours on sales this year. That's about 14% of my time. So obviously I need to do sales activities like uh, introductory calls with clients, following up with people, writing proposals. That's time that allows me to do the client work and, and generate the consulting income. And so, yeah, it's about ha- uh, really interesting, actually, that the, the sales was about half the time I do client work. So... Um, yeah, it just it's obviously good to know that the sales doesn't take the same or more than the client work, which is good. Obviously, it does need to take up less time. So the fact that it takes up half the amount of time is, is, a, is a positive sign. I, I, that's the way I see it. Uh, th- number three, the third biggest category was content. So I spent 149 hours this year on content. That's about 8% of my time um, creating content, for example, this this podcast, the blog post, um, all the videos that I make for YouTube. And those are things, again, that support sales and client work and product sales as well. Uh, so all the content. Uh, planning took about 8% of my time, 148 hours. I spent just under, yeah, about uh, just under 10% planning my time. And I'd say this is, I'd, uh, I mean, I'm a productivity geek. It's probably a little bit more than the average person. As, you know, I'm constantly jumping into Asana and my calendar throughout the day to plan my time or work out the next steps on a project. So I do a lot of planning. And I'm a really big fan of the um, Abraham Lincoln quote where he said, uh, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. That's kind of what I think highlights the importance of planning. And uh, I don't spend quite that portion of time planning, but um, I think by planning a lot, I am able to be effective in, in other areas. And number five, my fifth biggest category of work this year was email. Uh, so 123 hours, 7% of my time. And so I am happy to report that overall, yeah, time spent managing email is quite low. Um, however, I should point out that a lot of time I am responding to an email. For example, if a client emails me and I'm responding, that might get categorized as client work, not email. Because while I am technically responding to an email, really the thing that I'm doing is helping a client. So that is how it gets categorized. So email, 7% might seem really low. You might be like, wow, I spent way more than that email. Um, depend. This is just based on how I track it. You know, there is a bit of an overlap sometimes between different categories. But yeah, it's, it's good to see, you know, I'm not spending too much time in email because really email work doesn't happen in email. So those were my top categories this year. Uh, most used apps. This was quite interesting. Well, uh, 
Actually, no. Well, yeah, Safari was... Uh, here we go. Safari was my top app for this year, so I, I used the Safari web browser. 923 hours in Safari. That was 56% of my time. Wow. Over half my time working is spent in Safari. And this isn't a surprise, as most of the actual apps or services I use are web-based, like Asana, Pipedrive, Zapier. They're all web-based apps, so it doesn't surprise me at all. The next one was Zoom, actually. Zoom, uh, 185 hours using Zoom. That's 11% of my time. Zoom is the web conference tool that I use to communicate with clients. So, And what was interesting is I actually looked up how much I spent on Zoom this year. So I've spent $165 on my Zoom subscription. It's about $14.99 a month. And so for those hours... 185 hours, that's 90 cents per hour, or 0.015 cents per minute. That's how how much I've spent on Zoom. 90 cents per hour. That feels pretty good. And I feel like sometimes people complain, oh god, another subscription tool. But man, when I'm spending like nearly 200 hours this year in Zoom, and actually it's increasing because I used to use Skype for my intro calls, now I'm using Zoom. Um, when it comes down to 90 cents an hour, yeah. That's that's pretty good. And among the other apps, you know, uh, you know, Mail, Ulysses, Calendar, Pages, Slack, Excel, it really ranged from about fifteen to kind of forty hours uh, across the year. Um, because yeah, most of my work does get done in uh, on the web, which is um, interesting. Uh, okay, most used websites. So finally, yeah, the the top websites that I used. So I guess you could break this down into the. Um, you know, that Safari component, what are the websites that I use the most? No surprises, Asana, 209 hours, Pipedrive, 149 hours, and Zapier, 25 hours. So I should start by pointing out that with these three tools in particular, the numbers are misleading. I don't actually spend, I haven't actually spent 209 hours planning in Asana this year. A lot of that time is spent, you know, me planning my own work and projects. But because I consult with clients on these tools as well, it means that a lot of the time is classified as client work and not just my own use of the tool. But yeah, Asana, Pipedrive, and Zapier were all in the top five. Asana and Pipedrive were actually one and two. PaulMiners.com, my website, was 110 hours this year. This is the time I spent working on my website, you know, updating pages, uh, sales copy, content, blog posts, things like that. And then ConvertKit, 27 hours. Um, I've only been using ConvertKit for, you know, four or five months, but it's already become one of the most, uh, the top websites that I visit. Um, I do use it pretty much every day to work on email sequences, newsletters, and just troubleshoot subscriber issues. And I expect to use it a lot more in next year. I've actually, um, you know, switched from Mailchimp, and I'm, I'm planning on doing more email automation and, and really stretching and, and pushing the boundaries of ConvertKit. So I do expect to keep using that quite a lot. And so that's it. That's my uh, breakdown of my how I spent my time this year. Just some closing thoughts. So after going through this exercise, I am pretty happy with the results because I've been you know, tracking my time and have a good awareness of how my time is being spent. Nothing here really surprised me. It was kind of all like, yeah, that made sense. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't super, super surprised by anything. And, but the exercise was really useful and highlighted to me the value of time tracking. Uh, at the end of the day, like I said, I check my timing summary and will fix up some of the categorization, which usually takes me about a minute. Um, and I did think about briefly stopping doing this. I thought, you know, what's the point in tracking my time like this every day? Um, but having the option to go back like I've just done and get this kind of detail is very powerful. So I will be continuing to, to track my time for the foreseeable future. And as for changes I would like to make uh, going forward into 2020, I'd like to maintain my 35 hours per week routine or, or lower it if I can. Um, I'm pretty happy with how I spent my time and how it's split between client work and other projects. But next year, I would like to grow product revenue. And um, so that might mean taking some time away from client work to make uh, time for other projects. And so it is nice to have this baseline, this 
uh, of, of how I spend my time now so that I can adjust and kind of track that going forwards. And so as the year comes to an end, I would highly encourage you to look back at how you've spent your time this year. Even if you haven't actively tracked your time, even just journaling about what you've spent time on is a useful way to reflect before you set up your goals for next year. So let me know if you have any questions or um, would like to know more about time tracking. I'd be happy to answer any questions you have. You can find me on Twitter, reply to my emails if you're on my newsletter list. And uh, that's probably the best way to reach me. All right. Well, Thank you, as always, for listening, uh, and I will catch you next time on the Paul Miners Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to the Paul Miners Podcast. Two quick things before I go. Firstly, if you enjoyed this episode or if you have any feedback, please leave me a review on iTunes. It really does mean a lot to me because it helps the show to get uh, discovered so that more people can benefit from the content, and I would love your help getting the show out there. So please, if you have a minute, I would love a review on iTunes. And uh, on that note, if you want to give me any more feedback, you can always reach out to me via my blog, leave me a comment, or if you're on my newsletter list, you can respond to any of my emails as well. I really do love hearing from my listeners and hearing what you want to learn about and getting your feedback. Number two, if you want to connect with me on a more regular basis, you can become a VIP member of my website. Head to paulminers.com VIP to learn about my membership options and how to get access to my private Slack community. This has typically been reserved for my uh, high-end customers in the past, but I've opened it up for the first time. So head on over to the website paulminers.com VIP to learn how you can get access to my private Slack channel where you'll also get access to my complete library of book summaries as well. One more time, thank you very much for listening and I will catch you next time on the Paul Miners Podcast.